It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, and welcome to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. On tonight's program, our COVID focus examines the toll the highly contagious Omicron variant has taken in our region and our country. And it is our region that is among the highest rates of infection of anywhere in the country over the past week. And also tonight, we'll give you a firsthand perspective on what it's like to endure a COVID diagnosis. And while Omicron is said to have milder side effects and symptoms, it can still hit infected people hard, especially those who are unvaccinated or not fully vaccinated. So a lot of ground to cover. And first, our weekly check-in with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District for the latest on COVID in our community. And Heather, it's kind of interesting because we're hearing stories that, hey, maybe we're cresting, plateauing, and we'll start uh, seeing a break in this Omicron. But then we hear the stories of uh, the national rates that uh, our area has among the highest in the entire country. I guess, what do we make of all of this at this point? Well, unfortunately, you're, you're exactly right, Jim. There are certainly areas in the United States and even here in Washington State where it is peaking and starting to go back down. But that isn't the case for our mid-Columbia region, you know, particularly Benton and Franklin County, where we, we remain um, a couple of the highest counties for case rate in the whole United States. And, and that, that is certainly concerning. <clears throat> We, we've been looking over the last few weeks at our data, and we keep saying, well, in the next week or two, hopefully we'll start to see it peak and then start to go down. But once again, our rates are, are higher this week than they were last week at this time. So Benton is currently at 3,651 per 100,000 for the last 14 days. And Franklin County is at 4,670. Last week, Benton County was at 3,010, and Franklin County was at 3,883. So, you know, again, we went up. And I think what's also important to realize is this is certainly an underreporting of the total number of people who are testing positive because of the uh, large number of at-home rapid tests that people are doing that, that we do not get the test results on those. So these are only the test results that happen in, in um, settings where we are getting the data. So our case rate is certainly much higher than what we're able to report out with the data that we have. Um, you know, it, it's just very disconcerting to see us continue to trend so high and then to realize that people I think they've gotten a little bit complacent with the message that Omicron is is mild. Well, mild still means you're getting very sick. And the difference between mild and severe, severe means you are very ill, you're in the hospital, probably needing some oxygen and possibly some mechanical ventilation. Then you get into what, you know, medically we consider mild is still a, a very uncomfortable illness that we're seeing people ending up home from work for one, two, three weeks where they are just not feeling well. They have body aches. They are feverish, very severe fatigue, that brain fog. 
where they just really cannot get up and go to work. And, and unfortunately, that's still labeled mild disease because it's certainly not progressed to the severe that requires hospitalization. But even that mild disease is extremely disruptive to family life and work life. And we're seeing this played out in the work environment where the number of outbreaks affecting our, our uh, local workforce is certainly um, at a significantly high rate. And we're, we're realizing that there are a lot of employees who cannot go to work, who are staying home because of illness. And that is disrupting our, our local economy. People are not able to work. Businesses are struggling. And this was certainly a concern that we saw as a potential happening. And unfortunately, it has played out. And then when we look at, at deaths, yes, we are continuing to see deaths, even, even during the time of, Omic of the Omicron, where they say it's a little less severe. But people are continuing um, to die of, of this variant as well. When we then look at what's happening at our test sites, in our um, CBC West test site, over the last 14 days, over 11,000 tests have been processed with a 47% positivity rate. So again, um, that's very high. And then at the walk-up site in Richland, they completed over 3,800 tests in the last 14 days with a 45% positivity rate. So and we're seeing we almost one in two people testing positive, right? And then right. again, that's not even a, the full picture, as you said, with people doing a lot of at-home testing. Right. We don't have an idea of what those at-home positive tests are revealing, but we know that from anecdotal information we're getting, there are a large number of positives out there in those at-home uh, antigen test kits. Where are you? Where is your big concern on, or on these outbreaks? Where are you seeing these outbreaks? I'm sure it's probably everywhere, but are there certain sectors that are seeing more? It, we're certainly watching those high-risk environments, the long-term care facilities, those those uh, type of environments where very vulnerable people live in close proximity to each other. So we certainly keep our eyes very close on what's happening at, at long-term care. And unfortunately, we are seeing outbreaks happening at long-term care. And we also look at some other communal environments, such as our local jails, um, our state jails, you know, Department of Correction type jails, and we are seeing outbreaks happening in those facilities as we have off and on throughout our, our whole last two years with COVID. So, you know, we're not over that hump yet. I suspect we're still seeing some of the fallout from the holidays and then Omicron and then the high transmissibility of Omicron. I suspect we're going to continue to see high rates for a little bit to come. And what about schools? I know just reading uh, statistics, again, data, uh, it sounds like the schools are getting impacted. And I know for a long time the concern has been these extracurricular activities, but I'm guessing uh, some of this transmission is occurring at school now? Um, you know, starting to see a little bit happening in the schools. Again, we want people to understand that as long as the schools are really working hard at those mitigation strategies and, and, and kids really are on board with this, they're doing a good job. And, and really where we're seeing the biggest risk is in the extracurricular activities, the after-school activities. And 
you know, that includes you're going to a basketball game and, and realizing that the vast majority of people who are in this um, gymnasium unfortunately may not even be wearing masks. And those are certainly areas where air, airflow is low, um, there's not a lot of ventilation, there's a lot of people making, you know, loud noise, cheering their team on, and it's a perfect environment for spreading something as highly transmissible as Omicron. And that's where we're starting to, you know, continue to see the outbreaks happen with regard to school-age kids. And back to the, the data that we're seeing and, and the hope that we would start to see at least a crest and maybe beginning to plateau before going down. I know in western Washington that is beginning to to, to occur, which is promising if we are indeed a week or two behind on our our cases. But but what about the, the, the point? Is it, is it is it is that what concerns you now is that this we thought we might be able to be saying, hey, we'll start uh, coming down now. So maybe that's been delayed a little bit longer. It appears that it's delayed a little bit longer for us, particularly on the east side of Washington State, and, and certainly I can speak to what's happening in Benton and Franklin County, and we are not seeing that case rate dip and start to go down like it has on, on certainly the west side of Washington State. Visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District, getting the very latest on Omicron and COVID in our community. We want to get a little more detail on where we stand with vaccinations, and I know there's some news out uh, this week with uh, efforts to uh, allow lower age groups to be able to getting starting to getting vaccinated. We'll do that with Heather right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program, Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation, visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, some uh, news, I guess, this week relative to vaccinations and, and the availability of them. Uh, where are we standing on our vaccination rates uh, here in our region compared to the rest of the state? Well, I guess that is one area that we are seeing some improvement. Uh, vaccine rates increased for our bi-county region um, about 1.5 percent this past week, and it's the largest increase that we've had in recent months. So that's good, ner- good news. Um, I think some other important information that people need to hear is that the Center for Disease Control has recommended that people like kids age five and older who are moderately or severely immunocompromised and got an mRNA vaccine as their primary series uh, should get that that um, third dose, that additional dose, 28 days after their second dose. And this really aligns with some information that came out on that moderate or severely immunocompromised adult. And so now they're saying the same thing should be happening uh, for that child age five and older. And again, we do have kids who are vulnerable in our community, and those parents need to you know, seriously consider getting that child that, um, that third dose after 28 days after their second dose. Um, the other bit of good news is that um, the Food and Drug Administration on January 31st fully approved the Moderna COVID vaccine. 
up until this point in time, it was under emergency use authorization. And just like with the Pfizer, it had to go through a certain period of time. Uh, it had to meet certain milestones. And then it has now um, reached full authorization. And it has a very interesting name. The, um, it is marketed now as Spikevax which is kind of a catchy little name, just like Pfizer when their vaccine went off emergency use authorization, the name for Pfizer is Comirnaty. So we still tend to refer to them as Pfizer or Moderna, but um, Moderna is now called Spikevax and the <laughs> Pfizer is called Comirnaty. Where, where are we on? I know uh, the, the age group, I think it was 5 to 12. Um, and it sounds like my understanding is people are still uh, not um, getting their kids vaccinated to the rate that, that uh, infectious disease folks and epidemiology folks like you would like. Right. We would like to see kids get vaccinated at higher rates because I think there's a little misunderstanding that in a child is just an inconsequential common cold. And, and for the most part, kids do fare pretty well. Um, with this infection, but unfortunately across the United States, just over a 1,000 kids have died from COVID. And when I compare that, say, to even a bad flu season, we don't see that many kids die of the flu across the United States and, and even a severe flu season or even across two years as with um, this pandemic. So I, I think it's important to realize that, that kids can get severe disease they do get their own form of long COVID, and then they can develop that multi-system inflammatory syndrome that can be very, very devastating on a child's internal organs. And, and you do not know if your child is going to be the one to catch that, to have it progress to that. And that's just devastating when we, you know, when we hear about children dying of an infection that their death could be prevented if they had been vaccinated, and, and that's a very difficult thing to understand. Um, so we really encourage parents to get their kids vaccinated. And then again, looking in the very near future is the Pfizer uh, is being looked at as potentially being used for that six-month to five-year age group. And again, we know that little kids and even babies do catch COVID, and the outcome can be, can be rather devastating for even that very, very young child. So the FDA and all the committees like the ACIP and all those will again be looking at the data, the information, the risk, the benefit, and uh, hopefully by about mid-March is when we anticipate that an announcement will be made and hopefully this vaccine will be made available for that age group as well. You touched on it a little bit, but are, are you getting calls, are you getting reports that there are uh, young children getting serious cases of COVID? And, you know, we do. Um, we get anecdotal reports. We get calls from concerned community members um, telling us about their children who caught it and how much they want the community to know that this isn't necessarily just a mild disease. Um, they may, may never have expected their child to get quite ill from it. And unfortunately, we, we have had kids hospitalized. We have had children die of COVID right here in the Benton County and Franklin County area. So, uh, again, COVID isn't 
an infection to be taken lightly. It's something we all need to take very seriously and serious for across the age group. It's not just a serious illness for the elderly. We seem to think that, well, elderly people die of the flu. They die of things like this as if that's an okay thing to happen, and it really isn't. In the day and age where where science has brought us such a wonderful vaccine. And then the same thing should be true with with children. Science has brought us a very safe, very effective vaccine that can really stop um, kids from catching this or, or for the most part becoming quite ill from it, ending up in the hospital and potentially dying. And it really is a tragedy when you realize a child dies of an illness that their death could have been prevented with a vaccine. That's what vaccines are all about, preventing severe illness and preventing death. I wanted a couple of uh, more questions quickly before we let you go for the for the week, but one of them has to do with the issue of, uh, you know, this time if someone is, is uh, gets COVID and, and, you know, whether it's mild or whether they're having some symptoms, what is the current advice? I know it keeps changing or people, you know, some, depending upon their employer of what they're following, but what is the general guidance on if someone gets a, a positive COVID on, say, when they can return to work or return to school? You know, the general guidance, and you're exactly right, different environments have slightly different recommendations, but we're really looking at that um, that five-day mark where from onset of symptoms or from when they have their positive test as the key time when they are, are particularly contagious to others. That's when you really need to stay home, stay away from people. And in your own home, if there's just try to isolate from each other as much as possible. But understanding with Omicron, there's a high probability that if somebody gets Omicron at home, it's a high probability the entire family is likely to catch it. Um, probably the best advice I can give is to please, please tell your friends that you may have exposed that there's a risk to them so that they can be aware of symptoms and, and know best how to protect the rest of their family and maybe their vulnerable loved ones. Um, we know that this is running quite rapidly through our community, and, and, and letting your friends know that they perhaps were at risk is a really loving, caring thing to do for those people that, that we, we want to spend our time with and take good care of them like we would hope they would take care of us. So bottom line tonight, in the, in the final minute, uh, we may not be dropping quite as quickly as we hope, but hopefully there is some, some promise in that regard that the, the numbers will begin to come down soon, but not as uh, maybe rapidly as we were thinking it would? We know they'll come down, and we're really looking at to the time when COVID really becomes um, endemic. Endemic really um, is what we're looking for, but we also understand what that means is COVID is never going to probably completely go away. It is going to end up a seasonal uh, virus, much like influenza, that uh, we're just going to have to keep our eyes on for a very long time. And so that's what the definition of endemic is. That's what it is. It it, it uh, doesn't become. It goes away from being pandemic worldwide to endemic, where we have a kind of a constant level of that organism within our population at any given time. So it's here. Uh, you know, again, an endemic can be very severe or it can be very mild, but 
whatever the organism is, is here. And for us, unfortunately, it is COVID. And a final comment, if you would, on availability of testing. I know these home testing kits have gone in and out of availability, but uh, is that still the advice? Is people just uh, get them wherever they can and have these on supply and test when necessary? You bet. Having a few test kits on hand is really important. And keep an eye on the portals that we talk about because they do become available and they get snatched up really fast and then more come and the portal opens back up again. So keep your eye on those. And remember that many, many insurance companies are actually covering the cost of purchasing these at your local pharmacy too. So don't give up. Just keep trying to get your hands on some of those for, for your family. Hey, I know uh, we kind of go week to week on this, and you're a constant fixture, but next week is a milestone, right? It is definitely a milestone uh, where Benton Franklin Health District will have been uh, running an incident command structure. And, uh, yeah, looking back over these last two years and realizing that we're facing a pretty significant milestone for, for this workforce here at the health district is quite impressive. Well, we look forward to that conversation. Thanks, Heather, as always. We'll have more of Cadillac on Call in a moment. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to our program, Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And a reminder, if you missed any part of our program, you can listen to Cadillac on Call. Uh, It's available on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Well, welcome back to the program. We shared with you that the Omicron variant is highly contagious. But for many people who get the virus, not as debilitating especially if you're fully vaccinated. Now, the word, quote, milder is frequently used to describe the symptoms people with Omicron COVID feel, but that depends on what your definition, I guess, of milder is. We're grateful to be joined at this point by a familiar face and a voice in our community who unfortunately is himself dealing with the so-called milder version of Omicron COVID, Mike McCabe, a weather forecaster at KEPR-TV and is currently on the sidelines recovering from COVID. Mike, first, thanks for taking the time and be willing to share your story with us. Uh, the most important question initially, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling better, certainly much better than I did, you know, a week ago or almost now coming up on two weeks. 100%. Well, I wouldn't say 100%. I probably would say if I were to give it a percentage, 80% better. Well, tell us, I guess, if you would, or as much as you could, about uh, how you ended up uh, meeting this Omicron virus. Well, uh, you know, I, me and my wife and my kids have all, uh, like everybody else, have been dealing with this uh, virus uh, like everybody else. Uh, we have done everything that we can do to protect ourselves, to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I was quite proud of myself coming up on two, two and a half years of not even so much as having a sniffle, um, you know, being really very healthy. Uh, and it wasn't up until a couple of weeks ago where all of a sudden that changed for our family. Uh, my wife is a school teacher for the Kennewick School District. She teaches third grade and uh, she came home on a Friday feeling not very well 
and she had uh, taken a a test, a home test that we had ordered free online, and uh, it the result was negative, but she still wasn't feeling well. And she had told me that this feels different than anything that she's ever really had before. So it was at that point that uh, she quarantined, and I slept in the spare bedroom, and she was pretty sick. Um, and so I was kind of the home health care nurse, if you will, for lack of a better word. And, you know, I made sure that she had everything that she needed. And, you know, through the weekend, she was quite ill. And by the by Monday, we had taken it was our third test. And that third test then did prove positive. And I kept my distance and I went to work on that Monday um, with a little bit of a tickle in my throat. You know, a lot of times when we start feeling sick, we can kind of feel it coming on and so I was a little concerned because I had felt like, oh, maybe I'm getting a cold here, uh, a little bit of a cough. And I was only concerned because I'd been so healthy for so long that I was slightly worried that maybe, in fact, that I was getting COVID as well. But um, I had also taken a test and it, you know, it was negative. So I went to work and, but as the hours went on by the 11 o'clock show, on that Monday evening, by the time I got home, I knew that I was not coming to work the next day. Whether it was COVID or not, I was ill. Um, and it turns out I also had COVID. And so uh, then I proceeded to go through the process of, you know, this virus. And for me, I had this idea that I would be sick for maybe two days, a couple of days at most, because... I've never been sick like this before. And I thought, well, usually when you get a cold or a flu, it's a couple of days and you're done. Well, I wasn't done. Um, I was done with COVID, but it certainly wasn't done with me. And uh, not only was my wife very sick, I was also pretty sick as well, uh, meaning that I was pretty much bedridden and fevers, chills, you name it, runny nose. It went through a phase of all the boxes, you know, I went through everything and I kept thinking I would wake up and I would feel better. And I went five days, six days without really feeling much better as long as well as my wife. We both were just hmm. out of it. And so, um, yeah, that's how it kind of ran its course. We're finally turning a corner now, but I'll never take my health for granted. That's for sure. So you ended up, uh, as you ultimately did test positive, but it was more the symptoms that that hit you. And I, and I and it to my my what I'm learning throughout this past couple of years is um, it just impacts people so differently. It really does. And you know, Jim, I'm going to be full disclosure on this. I, um, my wife and I are vaccinated. Um, we got the Moderna uh, shot and. Um, so we were doing everything that we felt that we should do. Um, and we came up on the booster uh, time period where we knew we needed to have that done. And my wife's schedule, being a teacher, and my schedule working in television news has been very busy. And we got a little complacent. And we, um, I don't know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We didn't get the booster. And so, um, and it wasn't, 
that I didn't want to get the booster. It was more of the idea that, you know, I just didn't make time to schedule it and get that shot. Um, I wish that I had because I know that when you're fully vaccinated, the symptoms uh, for a lot of people are pretty minor, like a, a little bit of a cold. And uh, I remember walking into Target thinking, let's get this done. And they had a schedule where you had to sign up to to get it done. And I said, and it was over the Christmas holiday. And I thought, we'll get her done. We're good. We're healthy. And I didn't. Um, neither did my wife. And so whether that has, would have made a difference, I'm not sure. Um, but for full disclosure, um, we did not get the booster. Um, now we do plan on as soon as now that we're getting better here, uh, that's going to be the first thing that we're going to get done to make sure that we are, you know, right up on schedule to where we need to be. Well, and so certainly I know I, I was, you- was going to just say on that point is, is, you know, the, and I'm sure you probably have, as you felt better, had a chance to probably read up on all of this stuff, but you probably, one of the things you've read is that they're saying, at least with Omicron, if that's where the booster does help, that that it helps mm-hmm. uh, it helps maybe mitigate some of those side effects. 100%, yeah. In fact, I, and I had a lot of time, Jim. I was <laughs> home in bed uh, with my thoughts, and I, uh, you know, you, it never really impacts you until it hits you. Um I'm in news, and I read about it, and we report about it every day. But until it affects you, um, it is not until then that you kind of think, okay, let's get some education on this. And I did. I had a lot of time to read up about it. And um, and so did my wife. And we both realized that, you know, um, we're a little wiser. Um, and, and you generally are when it impacts you and your family. And... I, I've, you know, I'm 52 and I've had the flu and I've had the, like everybody else, the cold and, and things like this, but I've never had anything impact me quite like this. And so it really opened my eyes. Uh, and the first thing that it really made me do is um, educate myself on, you know, what is this and how it affected our family. And it, it really did. You know, I've had neighbors and friends tell me like, oh, well, you know, you got a little bit of a cold or a flu. I go, but this is different. This is different. Um, And it clearly is different. Um, Even today, now that I'm feeling much better, I still have the fatigue. And I pray that that goes away. And I trust that with each passing day, it's going to get a little bit better and better. But um, I I understand that this is uh, something to be reckoned with. And I want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can make sure that, you know, my family's safe and I'm doing everything that I need to do to make sure that um, this doesn't happen again. Visiting with Mike McCabe, who is a weather forecaster at KEPR-TV, a storm tracker as we know him. He's also an amateur registered nurse, it sounds like, uh, since he's been dealing with this COVID. But we have Mike for another segment, and we're so grateful that he's so willing to share with his story with us. I'd like to have a little more insight from him on what this has been like uh, dealing with COVID. And we'll talk more with Mike right after this. 
You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. We are visiting with Mike McCabe, who is a weather forecaster at KEPR-TV and currently dealing with COVID-19. And he's hopefully, and he and his wife are hopefully on the backside of this and uh, will be able to to resume a, a normal living life. But as Mike has touched on in our last segment, uh, this has really hit them pretty hard. And Mike, I just, uh, while we have you here, a couple of more questions regarding uh, some of the, the feelings that you've had physically. Um, I know one of the other issues of Omicron is that it is so contagious. And I know your household does not include just uh, your wife. You have kids. How is uh, how has that gone? And are, have they been able to avoid it so far? They have. I have two daughters, a 14-year-old who is a freshman at Hanford and an 18-year-old who graduated from Hanford this spring. And so uh, my my eldest is still living with us, going to school and working. And both of them have been fantastic. Um, They have not contracted COVID, thankfully, at least up to this point. Um, We've been very good about... Um, being quarantined in our bedroom, and they have been really good at um, taking care of us. They will get food for us and leave it at our door and actually text us and and uh, make sure that uh, they are clear of uh, getting this virus. And we've done everything that we can to make sure that uh, they don't get this. And I told them, you know, look, this is a real deal here. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, and I just want to make sure that uh, they are safe from it. And so far, so good, and I hope that uh, that uh, is the case for us. So it's like the uh, takeout in your own house. <laughs> we have. We've supported the local economy for the last week and a half. But when they deliver food, too, they're, they're having to, they're all, they're having to uh, keep their distance, so to speak. They have. And uh, they've done a great job at that. And I do all the cooking, by the way, Jim, at right. my house. Right. You know, uh, even though I work the 5, 6, and 11, I'm lucky enough to come home between the 6 and the 11 o'clock news to come home and cook dinner. I do 90% of the cooking. And so uh, not having uh, been able to cook for the last almost two weeks now has been different. But uh, we've made it work. And uh, so far, so good. My wife is... Uh, doing much better, although still fatigued. I am also recovering, and I'm hoping to be back to work on Monday the 7th. Oh, that's great. And I was going to say, you know, you touched on the fact that you're you're doing all you can to keep this from impacting your daughters, but I know obviously you probably have uh, other relatives, and, and I know that's one of the concerns uh, most of us have is with our, our elderly relatives, and, and I'm sure that presents concerns to you, too. It's a big concern. I my um, <clears throat> my folks have, are no longer around, but my um, in laws are, and my wife has uh, uh, two parents that are in their seventies. And while that to me is not terribly old, uh, her mother is going through some health issues, and you know her father is up there with some health issues as well. And we have been. Uh, taking care of them a little bit here over the last couple of months with some 
health issues that they've had. And uh, once this hit, we immediately pulled back and have been very careful to make sure that uh, they have not been exposed to any of this. But it impacts our family in a big way because my wife uh, right now currently is uh, trying to help her mother who is dealing with some health issues. But uh, we've been having to do it at a distance, um, especially since we both contracted COVID. Uh, now, her parents are both uh, vaccinated as well as boosted. Um, they were right, uh, one of the first ones to get it. And so they're doing well, um, but uh, they're also having some health issues of their own. And so it's been hard because we haven't been able to be right there with them to take care of their immediate needs because we're dealing with COVID ourselves. So it's it's such a strange time. And, you know, I shared my story on my personal Facebook page and so many people reached out talking about how they have been dealing with it. And, you know, it, it you know, it's, it's, it has impacted everybody. And so, you know, I just pray and hope that uh, we'll all get through this and um, make sure that we all come out on the other end um, a little more educated and we come back on the other end of it. I was going to say, we have just a minute or so left, and I, one of the aims that we have tried to do with this program, uh, being part of a health system here in the community, is to use this as a, as a mechanism to provide at least as best we can objective and credible health information. We've been so grateful for our partners at the health district, not to mention uh, our Catholic leaders and medical experts to be our subject matter experts, and people like you who've impacted and people might know that, that this is very real. And I guess maybe a takeaway, is that your takeaway message uh, as you're coming out the back end of this this uh, odyssey with COVID? A hundred percent, Jim. Uh-huh. You know, and I was complacent before, but it is real and uh, it impacts families. And uh, I pray that uh, everybody stays healthy and safe, but it is absolutely real and Let's move forward. Let's educate ourselves. Let's get out of this and make sure that uh, we come out of this a little smarter and a little more knowledgeable and healthy. And I was going to say one important question on you like to cook so much. Did you lose your taste? I did not. I, Just I your appetite. My taste. You know, not, my appetite was there. Uh, I probably wasn't as hungry as I normally am, but still had the appetite. Did not lose my taste or my smell one bit. Neither did my wife. Well, I want to thank you for being so uh, gracious with your time and being so willing to share your story. I think it makes an impact on people uh, of just what we're dealing with here two years later. Mike McCabe from Keeper TV continued uh, on the road to recovery. Our best to your wife as well as as you both try to resume uh, your working lives as well. Thanks, Mike, and thank you for listening tonight to Catholic on Call. 